You are Locked On Hawks, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Hawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 33 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. And today, we'll be kicking off a full week of positional previews. You've probably seen the title of this podcast but before you listen to it, but I'll remind you now, this is the Point Guard Preview episode, and we'll be spending uh, once a day, each day this week, to talk about each position. Uh, point guards today, shooting guards tomorrow, small forwards Wednesday, power forwards Thursday, and centers on Friday. This is a league-wide and network-wide thing for the Locked On Podcast Network, Uh, and while there are certainly a few players on the Hawks roster that will play multiple spots, I've done my best to sort of chop them up into these five groups. Uh, There are a few guys, I would think of uh, a guy like Chris Humphreys in particular, and really the Wings in particular, that could certainly fall in each category, but I'm going to do my best to split them up, and hopefully you will get the full picture here. Before I get to the point guards, though, I do want to hit on a tiny bit of news that came out this last time we talked on Friday. Uh, the Hawks, in, in addition to signing Richard Solomon, a former California big man who's sort of been a... Uh, uh, he's kind of been all over the place in the in the professional basketball world in the, in the last couple of years. But in addition to that, the Hawks also came to training camp agreements with both Ryan Kelly and Will Bynum. Uh, Ryan Kelly's uh, work is most uh, associated with Duke. But he spent a few years with the Los Angeles Lakers and was a rotation player at times there. While his, whereas Will Bynum uh, went to Georgia Tech, was a standout on the 2004 Georgia Tech team that I'm sure a lot of Hawks fans are familiar with that went to the championship game. And Bynum's been sort of sort of a Hawks killer during his time in the NBA. I, I can remember being in attendance for more than one Will Bynum explosion on the other side of the court, particularly when, when with the the uh, Detroit Pistons that sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, Bynum is a little bit older, though, now, uh, but he's sort of the headliner here, I think, of guys that the Hawks added to the training camp roster. I've said this ad nauseum, but uh, both of these guys and Solomon will be facing real uphill battles in terms of making the actual roster, considering the Hawks do have 15 guaranteed contracts and a 16th guy, Mike Muscala, who would obviously be far ahead of any of these guys on in the pecking order. In addition to that, they also have Matt Costello, who's been around the team since July. Uh, I'm not sure Costello would be ahead of a guy like Kelly because of Kelly's uh, skill set and uh, NBA pedigree, but at the same time, it's not really the guy they have to beat out. One of these guys would have to beat out Muscala and somebody else in order to make the team, uh, barring a trade scenario where the Hawks send a two-for-one or three-for-one out somewhere else. So this is tr- more more so just depth, uh, especially in the Bynum instance. I kind of like it in that the Hawks would be playing with uh, only two two healthy point guards at the start of training camp. Uh, Jarrett Jack, I'm sure, will be around, but I'm not sure how much he'll be able to do that first week or two. Um, coming off the ACL injury, so having Schroeder and Delaney have some have, have a veteran for those guys to go against. Bynum will get up in you. He'll defend hard. That's sort of been his calling card. Uh, is is just activity and uh, just general demeanor as a guy who sort of flies along the court. So I liked both additions. I'm actually a Ryan Kelly fan going back to Duke. I just don't think he's better than Mike Muscala, which kind of puts him in a difficult position. And with the obvious roster crunch stuff, it'd be pretty surprising to me if any of these guys made the team. 
uh, especially Solomon. I, I, play, I place him even below Costello in the pecking order because Costello's at least been around enough to learn the uh, learn the offense, learn the defensive stuff since the summer. But I think uh, Kelly and Bottom are certainly the bigger names, and uh, but even then they'll be, they'll be facing an uphill battle when it comes to training camp. When they if they were looking to just make their mark and uh, potentially you know audition for other NBA teams, there are teams in the league that have roster spots, so these guys always want to get into a camp, maybe maybe appear in a preseason game or two to sort of advertise themselves, and that could be the, the route that both Bynum and Kelly are going here. With that in mind, we can move on to the point guard spot. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Uh, you know, not a lot of uh, intrigue as to, as to who the starter is here, but we'll start from the bottom of the pecking order. Uh, first, I want to I want to tell you who the emergency point guard is. In my opinion, if if something happened to either Jarrett Jack, Malcolm, Malcolm Delaney, uh, especially in the middle of a game, and the Hawks had suddenly had to play a backup uh, to Schroeder or something something of that end out of nowhere, I think the emergency guy is DeAndre Bembry. Uh, for me, he's you know he would only play in the event of an injury. But uh, but Bembry could at least initiate the offense if necessary. He uh, defensively would be a problem. Uh, the only way to probably get away with Bembry at point guard right now would be to pair him with Bazemore. Bazemore is sort of famous for being able to switch on the point guards and really defend them at a high level. He did that as sort of a specialty before he got to the Hawks. And even now, uh, even at 27, he's still athletic enough and quick enough uh, to stay with point guards. So that would probably be the, uh, the best way to handle that. Again, this is an emergency-only scenario, but... Bembry's passing ability, his ball handling is strong. He could get he can get the team into an offense. We saw him run point a lot in Las Vegas, and while summer league is certainly a different atmosphere, Bembry's comfortable sort of being the initiator of offense. He was asked to do that quite a bit in college, so he'd be the emergency guy. I wanted to get that out there before we move on to the actual three point guards on the roster. Next up will be Jarrett Jack. Uh, Jack, for those of you who are new listeners who are just catching up on the offseason, Jack suffered a torn ACL in January, and he'll be 33 years old when the the season starts. The Hawks gave him a very cheap one-year contract that I actually liked um, because it's not a huge commitment, and Jack is a solid player when healthy. There is is the injury concern, the age concern, but the investment was pretty little, and the Hawks definitely needed to have an insurance policy should something happen to Malcolm Delaney or if he doesn't pan out in the way that I think he will and the others think he will. It's always nice to have a third point guard, especially a steady guy like Jack who's been around the league for a long time. Uh, last year, you know, the, the, the real worry with Jack for me is his lack of efficiency in addition to the age and injury stuff. His actual play is that he's uh, not, a, not really an efficient player. He had a 43.4% effective field goal percentage last year before the injury. Uh, that's pretty disastrous, especially when you factor in that he had a, a usage rate uh, north of 20%. Jack's always been sort of a ball stopper, more of a score force point guard. He can pass. He's not an awful passer, but um, his shooting is not great at all, and he has to kind of be the guy in charge at the it's not really a great fit in this offense, which is another reason why I like Delaney more as a fit. 
But, you know, Jack is, again, a professional guy who can come in and run the team if something happened to Delaney or if uh, Schroeder uh, or Delaney uh, sort of flames out in spectacular fashion. Jack's a nice insurance policy. Uh, Health is going to be a big factor uh, in Jack's uh, development this year. Is a new system. uh, You know, a new system is less of a worry for me given his age and his veteran status. But at the same time, he probably wants to be playing in that system at some point. And his his health is going to be a big concern in training camp. That's something to watch As, as far as, you know, as soon as this thing gets underway, it's going to be painted at least um, in some circles as there uh, is a real competition for backup point guard. I'm firmly in the camp that Jack is going to be the third guy, but he is the much more much more famous, much more recognizable player uh, out of the two with him and Delaney. So I think you'll you see a lot of fans, even even some analysts, sort of defer to Jack as as the backup. I'm again not so sure about that, but it would certainly help Jack's case for playing time if he was able to play healthily at the start of camp and get things going in a way that even if I don't like that that setup necessarily. He could certainly be a factor, especially in the early going if Delaney gets off to a slow start. From there, we can move on to Malcolm Delaney, who is a guy who I definitely like. I'd spent an entire podcast uh, earlier on in the summer breaking down Delaney, sort of scouting him. I also wrote a piece on PeachtreeHoops.com uh, about scouting Delaney. If you want to go back and listen to even even more in-depth stuff about Delaney, please go go ahead and do that. Um, but for today, we'll keep it uh, reasonably short, but just as a refresher for those who are not familiar with his work, he's 27 years old. Uh, Delaney played college basketball at Virginia Tech. Uh, but not recently. It was been uh, it's been four or five years now since he left Virginia Tech, and he spent the last uh, several seasons in Europe. He's six foot three and one hundred and ninety pounds. Uh, he is a point guard, but more of a more of a combo guard, more of a uh, I guess a. A point guard that's more in line with today's non-traditional thinking. And you think about guys like uh, I'm not comparing him to these guys, but in, ter- in terms of actual you know scoring point guards in that in that Russell Westbrook mode, whereas the the Chris Pauls are more rare these days. It's more about getting getting scoring, getting punch from the point guard position. And Delaney's more more in, in line with that than as a traditional facilitator. But he's something he definitely can do. Uh, he shot 37 percent from three during his last year in Europe, and with a lot of that coming off the dribble and really having to create a lot of offense for himself, he's been referred to by a couple of guys that I trust, Nate Duncan, Kevin Pelton, as uh, as one of the best players in Europe last year, and that's something that was backed up in, with my eyes when I watched him on tape. Um, he was definitely the centerpiece of the offense where he was playing in the EuroLeague. He was a first-team all-EuroLeague player last year. That probably won't be the case in Atlanta, even with the fact that the Hawks are uh, pretty pretty low on secondary ball handlers in the starting lineup. Especially, I think Delaney won't be able to won't be asked to do quite as much as he was in Europe. But at the same time, he's certainly capable of getting his own shot and getting other people involved. He finished last season with a 29% assist rate, which is very solid, with a more than two to one assist to turnover ratio. Again, very solid. I don't think he's an elite passer. By any means, and I mentioned at the top that I don't think he's a, a you know necessarily a pure point guard, but he's a very willing passer. He moves the ball well. He's not afraid to just catch and swing. That's something you definitely need in this offense, at least in the way that we traditionally think about it. Is guys who are just willing to get give the ball up, find the next guy for the more open shot, even if they have an open shot. Delaney will be one of the better shooters on this team. This year, in my opinion, unless he regresses from what we saw in Europe, uh, and, a, and a much better shooter from three-point land than Dennis Schroeder is, so maybe that'll be playing as something with Delaney, but I think it'll be, uh, it'll be more about him running the show than anything else off the bench. I think he's more than capable of doing that. 
there is a chance, in my view, that he could play some shooting guard, uh, especially if the shooting is as good as I think it could be. If he shoots somewhere in the high 30s from three and the Hawks are just desperate for spacing, that's been a theme on this podcast and it will continue to be a theme until we see otherwise that, you know, aside from Korver, there's not a ton of shooting on this team right now. And if, uh, obviously, Schroeder's the guy at point guard, Delaney and Schroeder, because Delaney is a, is a legitimate 6'3", and Schroeder's pretty athletic and a reasonably big guy for point guard, you could see those guys play together a little bit if Delaney plays as well as I think he definitely can play. Uh, on the defensive end, I think Delaney's better than Jack right now, given Jack's age and uh, the concerns about the ACL. Uh, Jack is certainly stronger, but Delaney is quicker. His, his tape's not exactly elite on the defensive end, I wouldn't say, in Europe, but he was certainly not a liability at all in the, on defense. He competes well. You could see that he ratcheted it up when necessary, and he'll, I think he'll be an average defender, which is all you really need out of him. Uh, Schroeder is a much better defender, I think, on paper than Delaney is right now, but Delaney should be just fine there, and with his shooting and offensive acumen, that would be a nice backup point guard, I think, for the Hawks this season. Last but not least, we'll have to, of course, touch on Dennis Schroeder. Who is the starting point guard? Uh, by you know, there's no there's no debate about this one. Last year there was sort of the Teague Schroeder debate. Teague was always a starter, but Schroeder ended up finishing a lot of games this year. It'd be pretty surprising, at least early on, if Schroeder wasn't just the full 30 plus minute a game guy who closed every game at the point, barring injury or foul trouble or anything uh, extenuating circumstances. He is the guy at point guard, and the Hawks. Uh, you know, for better or worse, you're going to be tied to him this season. There's no question about that. Um, there's been some extension talk with him. We talked about it a couple podcasts. Um, I'll keep an eye on that as the uh, season approaches. I don't think that that's going to happen as far as the contract extension goes for Shooter. But uh, he'll, he has every every reason to be uh, focused as he'll be he'll be a free he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of this season. So he'll be able to play his way into a potentially massive contract, and that's something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Schroeder, in terms of on the court, uh, he had a team-leading 28.8% usage rate last year. Essential usage rate is just how much uh, how, how much you have the ball in your hands, how many possessions you use, whether it be you know shots or whatever like that. It's basically just a, a ball domination slash how, how much how, how much of the uh, offenses run through you when you're on the court type of statistic. I could break it down for you, but that's essentially what it is. Uh, Schroeder, you know, to translate that, essentially he had the ball in his hands a lot. He likes to shoot. And if he's not shooting, he gets he gets a lot of assists when he's not shooting, which is good. But he he's basically involved in a lot of the offense when he's on the court, and that's if anything, that might go up this year. I'm not sure the percentage will 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 go up, but in terms of you know playing more minutes, it's going to be much more heavily reliant on Schroeder than anybody else on this team offensively. He's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. That's only because you know this, the wings. Kent Bazemore, Kyle Korver are not really creators. You'll, you'll see some Paul Millsap with the ball in his hands a lot because Millsap's your best player, but Dwight Howard's not going to be creating outside of a post-up occasionally, and it's going to be a lot of Dennis Schroeder on the offensive end. And that's you know that's sort of the way he likes it. He's a guy who likes to have the ball. He thinks he's a very good player, but uh, just something to keep an eye on. He was already the team leader last year, more so than Jeff Teague even in usage, and that expects to be as high or potentially even higher than it was a year ago. On a uh, on a per thirty six minute level, which is sort of a uh, you know a per minute statistic translation that just says you know if you're playing a starter's workload, or at least a starter's workload on, on an average team, whereas the Hawks are probably playing less than uh, an average team for starters. Um, Schroeder averaged last year nineteen point five points 
and 7.8 assists per 36 minutes, which are very, very encouraging numbers. There's, not, there's one thing that I'm not concerned about with Schroeder, that's filling up the box score. He's going to get shots up. He's going to score points. He's going to get assists, having the ball in his hands so much, and having you know capable shooters and capable finishers around him. The efficiencies were, I would worry. Uh, just as a note, he did finish with 11, 11 points and 4.4 assists per game last year, but the minutes were uh, as such, where that probably shouldn't be taken into too much of account. I'd, I'd be more worried about the per, per possession and per minute numbers. Uh, Schroeder, if there's a worry uh, for him on offense, it's with efficiency. Uh, he shot only 47.1% effective field goal percentage last year and 51% true shooting. Neither one, neither one of those is very good. He's a good free throw shooter, which is helpful, but his efficiency otherwise is not good. He's not a good free throw shooter. 32.2% from three last year. Not horrible, but not what you want from a guy who's not afraid to shoot that shot. He's going he's gonna to get those shots up, and that's a below average mark even for a point guard. Only 42% from the field as well. Shooter's going to shoot, and uh, hopefully he'll be able to do I think he can, he can improve on the efficiency. I don't think he's ever going to be a terribly efficient player given just the way he plays the game, but at the same time with age and a little bit more savvy his finishing should probably improve a little bit around the rim uh he does a lot of these weird scoop shots i think he could probably either improve on those or just cut them out of his game altogether and we'll see how that goes for shooter but efficiency is going to be a concern the other one for me is the turnover rate he had a 17.5 percent turnover rate last year pretty poor for a point guard uh and could be you know generally disastrous for a starter uh considering you know if anything with more usage, you would expect that, that that almost to go up more, and that's not what you want to see from Schroeder. I think uh, he can cut down on that again uh, with, with more savvy, another year under his belt to where you probably don't have to worry about it uh, too, too much. But if he simply can't improve on it and just replicates last year, that's just too many turnovers, and it's going to hurt the efficiency of the overall offense. There are positives. Uh, I think offensively, his willingness to be the guy is something that I actually like about Dennis. Um, you know, it's not always for the best in that I'm not sure he always knows what, what's, what's the best thing to do for the team. He thinks, uh, he, I think he thinks that he's the best option the majority of the time, which is not always true, but he does have that confidence level that I think Hawks fans have been looking for in their, uh, sort of go-to guy for a while. I don't think Schroeder is a go-to guy long-term, but, uh, he's certainly more brash and more confident and more aggressive on a regular basis than Jeff Teague was. And I, that was always a complaint that I heard from fans about Teague, and that will not be a complaint about Schroeder this year. Defensively, that's uh, something that I actually really like about Dennis. He was very, very good defensively last year in limited minutes. Uh, the Hawks had a 95.7 defensive rating with Schroeder on the court, which is absolutely excellent. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be relying on him heavily on defense, especially at the point of attack. I'm a little bit worried that Schroeder's effort level defensively will sag a little bit now that he's playing 30-plus minutes per game, or at least I expect him to play that much time. You know, it's easier to play high-octane on defense when you're only playing 19, 20 minutes a night, and a little bit more difficult when you're playing a higher workload. But Schroeder's still young enough where his energy level should be uh, very, very high, and I think he'll, uh, he should be expected to be at least an above-average defender. Uh, you know, there, there are some stuff that he does not do particularly well. He gets lost at times. Some of his positioning is not always great. But his physical tools are undeniable defensively. He was much better than Teague a year ago defensively. I would argue that was flipped the year before when Teague was actually quite good defensively and Schroeder was still still very raw. But last year with Teague's injury and Schroeder making a little bit of a jump defensively, I think he was certainly the better option. And I hope that that continues this year from the Hawks' standpoint because of the fact that uh, I think this team is going to have to make its uh, its bones defensively in order to be a, an upper echelon team in the Eastern Conference because the offense is going to be sort of a mess. Part of that is because of Schroeder, I think, but uh, his defense should help make up for it. He should be at least a, a league average point, a starting point guard, in my opinion, uh, this season. 
on the uh, on, you know on the positive side again he's very very talented very productive that's something you want to see in your young guys he's the he's the one young asset on this roster aside from the two rookies and I guess Eddie Tavares if you think of him that way that's really in us an asset for the future a guy you have to uh, you know build around long term I don't think Sharu is going to be the best player on this team at any point if they, and if he is that's a problem. But at the same time, he's a guy you can at least see in the core of a team where this team you know, wants to be down the road when they're a championship contender. He's at least going to be a possibility to raise to that level. And he's still so young that Schroeder uh, is a guy who the Hawks fans should be excited about. Just a little bit more temper than I think some of some of the fans are being now. I think I think he's uh, probably going to be more of an average to above average starter in long in the long term, more so than a potential star. I don't really see that with Dennis. He could prove me wrong, and the upside is there. If he, everything came together, he became a better shooter, et cetera, et cetera. I guess he could become a top ten guy at the position. I just don't want really to see that. I'm thinking more of along the lines of top you know seventeen to fifteen, somewhere in that middle tier of starters, which is just fine. That's kind of all you need. You don't need to have an elite guy at every position, and he'll be so young. And you know, even if he signs a, a rather large contract next year, it could be very reasonable because of the fact that unless the CBA changes, Schroeder will be on that young um, in terms of experience scale, where he, his max is only so high. So even if he gets the contract in the $20 million a year range, that's more of a, what you're looking at for an above-average starter. Uh, I think about Kent Bazemore. Getting seventeen million dollars a year, seventeen and a half million dollars a year. Um, sure, getting twenty a year later would not be a big deal, in my opinion. It wouldn't be an awful contract or anything like that. So, uh, keep an eye on Dennis. He's certainly the centerpiece of the uh, of the of the backcourt right now. I think you know there's still a guy. You know, most have a better player than Schroeder. I think Howard better be a better player than Schroeder if uh, if the Hawks are going to be any good this year. But Schroeder's certainly a guy who matters a great deal to this franchise both this year and moving forward, and he should be treated as such uh, with a you know, scrutiny and praise and all of those things. It's good. To, there's going to be some highs and lows with Dennis this year because that's just that's just kind of the way he is and the way he plays the game. It's a very uh, a very boomer bust player right now. Hopefully that levels off a little bit in time. But sure, it's fun to watch. I like him off the court. He's a good he's a good interview. He's candid, a good personality, and I think a fun personality that Hawks fans should be able to embrace as the season approaches. That's going to do it for today's podcast. But again, uh, thanks to everyone who has subscribed already. Please go ahead and do that if you have not to this point. Subscribe on iTunes. That's that's the best way and the fastest way to get this podcast. We are also on other uh, podcast platforms like Stitcher, um, TuneIn Radio. We are hosted on Audio Boom. If you have any of those apps, please dial us up there. And uh, we're also hosted at PeachtreeHoops.com where I am a writer. So every single post will be up there. Go ahead and uh, you know bookmark that page. It's always good uh, if you want to re- read my written content or any written content on the Hawks. It's a great place to start at Peachtree Hoops. I think we do pretty good work. So stay tuned for that. And uh, tomorrow we'll be here to preview the shooting guards. Thanks again, guys, and uh, have a good day. Yeah.